Welcome to the Unconventional RD Podcast, where we inspire dietitians to think outside of the traditional employment box and create their own unconventional income streams. We'll talk all things online business to help you start, grow, and scale your own digital empire. Question. Do you get anxious when posting online? Are you uncertain about saying the right thing, quote-unquote, or potential backlash or criticism that you may receive? Does this anxiety hold you back from getting visible online and growing a meaningful following? Well, in today's episode, I'm chatting with dietitian Alyssa Rumsey, weight-inclusive dietitian and coach to future RD entrepreneurs, and, if I must say, an all-around badass. Alyssa has been working in the online space for quite some time, and she is someone I look up to as a role model for having a clear and effective voice online. In this conversation, we discuss what it means to have a voice online, how to tell whether or not you are actively expressing your voice right now, and tips for finding and refining your voice. We also talk about why speaking up can feel so hard sometimes, how to protect your energy when you spend so much time online, but why it's totally worth the effort to do this work and start becoming more vocal online. I had such a great time chatting with Alyssa, so let's dive into the conversation. Today, we're talking about finding your voice on social media, which I think is something you really excel at, Alyssa. Uh, So before we dive in to that specific topic, Can you tell our listeners more about yourself and your background in dietetics? Sure. Happy to. So I've been a dietitian for 12 years now. Um, And my interest in nutrition actually started um, in high school and it started around sports nutrition. um, And I double majored in nutrition exercise science thinking like I was going to be a sports team dietitian. That was the initial plan. Um, and then I actually fell in love with clinical nutrition, specifically ICU and critical care during my internship. And so I ended up working the first, um, six and a half years of my career at a large teaching hospital in New York city. Um, mostly in the ICU during that time. And then also, uh, worked in management for my last year and a half there. Um, and then learned so much, got my start in social media at the hospital, got my start in writing, got my start in like media, like so many things while I was there uh, and then took the leap. Now it's been about five and a half years to leave there and start my own business. Um, So yeah, I've been doing that about five and a half years. And, you know, I know as you talk a lot about and as a lot of other people find, it has shape-shifted and changed a lot over that time. Uh, But where I am now is I have basically uh, three prongs in my business. So the two main ones are I... Um, have a virtual private practice uh, that's a weight-inclusive private practice, and I do one-on-one counseling and online programming for women, uh, mainly women who are moving away from dieting and really want to improve their relationship with food, um, be more comfortable with their bodies, and just really kind of de-indoctrinate themselves from everything that society has taught them about what they, quote, should be or should do or should eat or should look like. Um, So I do that. And then I also work a lot with dietitians and a lot with entrepreneurs and aspiring entrepreneurs. I started uh, the Dietitian Entrepreneur Mastermind Retreat 
three years ago now uh, that had been an in-person workshop. As we are recording this, everything is virtual now and uh, the workshop is now virtual as well. Um, And yeah, I really, I work mostly with dietitians who are either trying to get into entrepreneurship and start their businesses and kind of like how to do all that, right? Because as you know, we don't learn any of that. Um, And also with dietitians kind of in that first couple of years of business and just, okay, now that you've got some clients, how do you now like grow this and brand and do it more consistently? Um, And then the third prong of my business, which is a smaller piece, but um, I still do some of it, which is media spokesperson work. So I partner generally with just a handful of brands a year to do some of that. And what does that mean really? Um, good question. So for me, I think that can look different from a lot for a lot of people. Um, you know, certainly now a lot of brands and companies are interested in social media and specifically Instagram um, is really big at the moment. Uh, I also, my favorite part of it, I do a little bit of social media, like quote influencer style stuff, but I really like to do um, more media related. So TV interviews on behalf of a brand, um, satellite media tours, uh, written print interviews, occasionally doing some freelance writing or blogging for a brand. Um, So I consider that, uh, you know, it used to be a bigger part of my business. Now it's a smaller part, but I also ideally love to just work with like-minded companies and doing more like longer term rather than just like little one-off stuff all the time. So uh, generally it's something that is more like a six month or a year long kind of contract. Super interesting. I, I bet people listening are like, wow, I didn't even know that was a thing. <laughs> <laughs> so I, one of the things that I admire about you and your business, you have such a clear voice online. And I see you speak up about things that matter to you in a very confident, like unapologetic way. And I admire that because that's definitely something that I personally am working on. Can we start with what do you think it really means to quote unquote, have a voice online? Yeah, great question. Um, And thank you so much. I will say, I know we're going to get into this a little bit more, but I appreciate hearing that feedback because I think it took me many years to kind of understand what my voice was and um, what you're saying is all what my goal is. So that's really helpful to to hear. Um, but in terms of, yeah, nitty gritty, like what does that mean to have a voice online? Um, in my mind, it's kind of this idea of what what does your brand quote like sound like? Like what's sort of like the personality of your business Um I kind of think of it as like personality and authenticity. And so a lot of us in the nutrition space, like we are our brands, right? Like I would say the vast majority of, um, of dietitians, like are at least part of their brand. It might not be all you, but it's part of you. So the voice is kind of like, if you're thinking of talking to a person, like what are the adjectives you would use to describe that person? So if we're thinking of like, your sort of business personality, your business voice. What is the language that you use? Is it simple? Is it complex? Are you using scientific jargon? Are you funny? Are you serious? Um, Are you using swear words or not? Um, You know, also like the tone. Um, So are you direct or honest? Or are you kind of like scientific and more clinical? Um, Is it more of a professional tone? Or is it more of like a personal, like friend kind of tone? 
And yeah, just thinking about some kind of adjectives that you describe a person, like their personality, it's sort of the same thing. So friendly, authentic, funny, inspiring, down to earth, um, professional or authoritative, like if some brand's voices. Uh, so it's really kind of thinking of it like this, the business's personality. Um, and then I think it also is about being authentic and being consistent. So like, I always think of it as like, okay, every time I read something, I can immediately tell like, okay, this is this brand, like this makes sense. And if like a different person wrote for that brand, I would also be able to tell, be like, ooh, this is like, does not sound like it. Yeah, like Ben and Jerry's voice is like different from, well, I can't think of another ice cream that even has a voice, but... <laughs> Yeah, you know, yeah, they have a very, they have a very clear voice yeah. um, and others are maybe not so much, yeah. but yes. So how can someone tell whether or not they're actively expressing their voice right now in their business? So I think the main thing is like when you're, and you know, this might be, uh, people might understand this, but just to also make the point that the voice is kind of like wherever you're showing up online, right? So social media, blogging email marketing or email newsletters, you know, kind of anywhere that you're showing up online. I also consider this like, uh, you know, showing up on videos or Instagram stories or all of this type of stuff. So to me, I think like, does this feel authentic to you? Does this feel natural? Or does it feel like a struggle to like sit down and write? Um, and I think a great way to think about this is like, if you're online voice is sort of aligned with you and your business. You get kind of like excited and you're like excited to post about certain topics and you might feel like energized about it versus if you're not really expressing your voice or you haven't really gotten it, um, you might be kind of like dragging your feet, like not really like procrastinating, putting it off, maybe have that like kind of gut instinct that you're not kind of listening to. Um, so I think that's like the main thing I think of is, does this feel natural? Does this feel authentic? Um, I also think it's, if you, and this is assuming that, um, you know, if you are your, your brand and your business, like for me, for example, you know, are these things that you actually say out loud in conversation? So for example, when I first started, and I do think that the reason a lot of dietitians specifically struggle with this is because our training is like so scientific and very like you're the nutrition expert and like research heavy, right? And like a lot of us have worked in clinical where it's like very like red tape and very serious. And then you get out into the, you know, trying to write for like social media and trying to write for like consumer audience. And I, it took me so long to figure this out. At the beginning, what I was doing was because I didn't know what my voice was, I was imitating others. So there was this dietitian who, um, is hilarious and like just has the funniest like personality and like that comes through in her writing and her social media content. And I started to try to do that. Cause I'm like, Ooh, I love her voice. Like, let me try to like write like that. And it totally fell flat because like, I am not like naturally funny. Like I am not one of those people that's like just naturally says like comedic things. So it did not, it fell flat because like, that's not how I speak. Um, so I think thinking too, of like, is this how you speak? Um, and also I think that dietitians struggle with, and again, just based on a lot of our training, um, being kind of too like corporate or too, um, just too kind of uh, removed, like not getting that like human connection. 
Um, so I think that's really important to realize too, is that the people we're speaking to, like, honestly, the, and we'll talk in a little bit about kind of my voice and how I've come around to that, but the feedback that I get, I get the most feedback when people are like, oh my gosh, I love that. Like you just say it like it is. I feel like I had someone message me yesterday after an Instagram post and was like, I feel like we could be friends in real life because like, I'm just talking like I would. And this is, again, this is like my my voice and like what I've come up with is like, I don't want to be this like removed dietitian. That's like the expert. Like I want to kind of be on your level. Um, but no matter what, just trying to, the connection is so big. Yeah. When they're first starting out so many dietitians, a social media post might be like, Oh, a new study N equals 30 uh, shows a significant difference between blah, 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 and blah, blah, blah. You know, and <laughs> like no one is going to connect with that. I always use the example of like, like the blueberries, like blueberries are like high in vitamin, whatever. And I'm like, people don't care about that. That it might be true, but like, that is not what people like, that is not getting people to connect. So what if someone's listening to this and they're like, oh no, that's me. I don't know my voice. <laughs> I don't think I have a voice. Uh, what tips do you have for helping people find or refine their voice? Yeah. So, well, first of all, if you're listening and you're like, oh my gosh, I just posted about blueberries the other day, um, or I just posted about this study, don't worry. We've all been there. We've all done that. Um, I'm also really big on like, you have to just get yourself out there and start because if you keep waiting until like, okay, my voice is ready. I know what I'm doing. You're never going to learn your voice. Like you have to just like get out there. So, um, so don't let this stop you, but here are a couple things, um, I think, and it goes back to, again, whether or not you are your brand's voice, like as the business owner, but most of us are, but even if you're not, I think baseline people need to know their values, like getting super clear on not just business values, but those are important, but also like your life values and like, who are you? Like, where do you want to go? Like, what do you want out of life? What do you want out of business? Um, like what is important to you? What are your non-negotiables? Um, and there's a lot of different exercises online that you can find to do like some value-based work. Um, and when you are super clear on this, it gives you direction and it gives you clarity and it helps kind of like set the foundation for your life, but then also your business. Uh, Cause I think most of us start a business because we want to live our lives in a certain way and we want to get some, something more out of the work that we're doing. Um, so for example, you know, someone's values might be authenticity or they might be empathy or they might be equity or they might be fun or they might be adventure. And you can already kind of see of like, okay, depending on what my values are, you know, this is going to inform how I'm speaking and like what my voice is and what it sounds like. So that's number one, doing some value-based work. I think this is important for everybody, whether or not you have a business. Um, I've been getting really into this at the uh, recommendation of several of my like mentors and supervisors. Um, and I just think it's helped me feel so much more grounded in, like you said at the beginning of sort of unapologetic of, you know, what it is I'm saying. And I think this is what it is because I'm feeling so much more grounded now. And like, this is who I am. And um, it makes me feel just more confident with, with speaking out. Um, values. Second thing I would say is make a list of words, words and phrases that to you, like describe your brand and your business. And if you're part of your business, you. So make a list of words that describe it and also make a list of words that describe what it's not. Um, so for example, like what does your business stand for? You know, what makes you unique? Um, how do you want people to feel when they're like consuming your content? 
Um, so having a list of words, both of what you don't want to be like, and also what you do want to be like, or what you want to come across is really helpful. And when you're doing this, you want to think of a couple things. You want to think about who your audience is, because obviously if your audience is in their twenties, the words that they use and like how you're going to come across is probably going to be very different than if your audience is in their sixties. Um, so knowing who your audience is, you know, know what their interests are. This is where we always talk about stuff of like, okay, what other, who, who else does your ideal client or your audience follow? Like what other stuff do they read? Um, how do they speak? Um, uh, so really thinking about your audience when you're making this list of words. Um, and then also thinking about, like I talked about before, what kind of language do you use? Do you want to be more kind of lighthearted? Um, do you want to be kind of like joking or like sassy? Like there are some like great dietitians out there who just have the best like sassy voice. And again, that is not me. I love that. But I'm like, that's not me. That would totally fall flat. Um, are you going to swear or not? I mean, I think like Caroline Duner comes to mind of like the effort diet. Like that is literally the name of her business and her brand, right? So clearly people know what they're getting into. Um, and then, yeah, think about your tone as well. So your language, your tone, you know, how do you want people to feel? Do you want to be like approachable? Do you want to be educational, informative, or do you want to be engaging? Do you want people to start to think more about certain things? Um, and I think, you know, once you've kind of done this baseline, some of these things I just talked about, then what you want to do is like, or if you're already putting content out on social, 100%, what everyone needs to do is go find at least five people and ask them to review it and say like, okay, when you look at my Instagram or when you look at my website or whatever it is, what words come to mind and get their feedback. I actually do this with every dietetic intern. Like one of, they have a whole bunch of pre-rotation stuff I have them do. One of them is this. And honestly, this was, I started this years ago when I like hadn't done any of this baseline work and didn't really know what my voice was. And it was really helpful in, you know, hearing their feedback. And then over time being like, oh, I'm getting like the same words over and over again. This is good. Like I'm being consistent. I've never heard that tip before, but I love it. Yeah, I think it's really, and you can also, you can do it with like friends and family. If you have clients, I would ask your clients, if you have like good relationships with some of your clients and you know that um, they'll be kind of like open and honest with you, like asking them for their feedback. They love to like be involved and be able to kind of tell you, and especially it's like people who know you and then they can look online and be like, okay, is this translating the way? Or are they coming up with words that you're like, okay, no, this is not like who I am or what I want my voice to be. Yeah. That's exactly what I was just about to say. Like you could use it both ways to confirm that what you're doing is working or to realize that you might not be translating in the way that you wanted to come across online. And then you just pivot and no big deal. You know, like you said, it's better to just do it and then get the feedback <laughs> than to never do it. So along those same lines, why do you think it can be hard for people to speak up online or be consistent? I mean, I think such a big theme is um, perfectionism. I think perfectionism, um, people pleasing, being afraid of what others will say, like not wanting to ruffle, ruffle feathers. And again, this isn't, I think it's so important that we separate this. This is not like a personal failing or like a personal shame. Like our culture stresses individuality. It stresses perfectionism. It stresses binary thinking. Um, and even like getting down to like, okay, capitalist society to have, they need productivity and they need output. So perfectionism is rewarded. And, you know, I certainly, I consider myself a recovering perfectionist, but anyone who has any kind of like perfectionism in them will probably say like, yeah, it's, it's been rewarded. 
Um, so when we see like the best getting rewarded and appreciated, the focus becomes, um, you know, just on like, oh my God, I have to do this perfectly. I can't screw up. Um, again, we're groomed to feel like personally responsible if we like screw up and fail. And so making a mistake becomes this like shameful thing rather than something to like learn and grow from. Um, so, you know, again, if you identify with perfectionism, it is not your fault. I think it's knowing that this is like how our culture is set up. Um, but what happens is like when you develop this perfectionistic tendency, it breeds this kind of like inner critic voice to sort of keep you in line. Um, and to make sure that you're like doing quote good enough. Uh, so then if we mess up or if we like ruffle feathers or if we get like quote bad feedback, we take it super personally and we're like, oh my God, you know, this like mistake becomes like, oh, I'm a bad person. You know, I did this bad thing. Like I'm a bad person. Um, so, and yeah, I think that's why it just like gets in the way of, being authentic and being real because we're so caught up in like, well, I don't want to like say the wrong thing or I don't want people to like think this way about me. And I think certainly, you know, women, like I know lots of people listen to this podcast, but like nutrition, we are primarily women dominated field. And, you know, this is cultural expectations, but women tend to get the brunt of that and tend to um, internalize a lot of this. Uh, so, so yeah, I think it's really, this, you know, having these like people pleasing tendencies and sort of like being afraid. And, and I totally identify with all of this stuff, by the way. Um, and I've had to kind of like work through that and realize how, while that might've been like what I've learned and was probably like rewarded and was probably like a protective mechanism at some point in my life is not anymore. Like it's, it's getting in the way. Can we dive into that a little deeper? Like how yeah. did you get through that or work through that? Oh, good question. Therapy, <laughs> putting a, a, a plug in for therapy. I think everybody could benefit from therapy. Um, I mean, I think the first step is recognizing, right? Like I used to like be like, oh, I'm so such a perfectionist. I'm like so type A. And I claim this as like a badge of honor. And again, that is normal because that is what our culture like demands of us and teaches us. And this is like grind culture and hustle culture and all this crap, right? Like that is like all that we've internalized. So I think it's once I started kind of realizing like, oh, wait, you know, this is something that was put on me. This wasn't something that, you know, I was like born with. Um, and not only that, but it was something that was harming me and kind of holding me back um, from, you know, and this is getting like deeper than business, but it was holding me back from a lot of stuff in life. And like connection was like the main thing I kind of realized of this like perfectionism. And um, I was like all up in my head. Like I was always like thinking what I was going to say in my head before I ever said it. And I honestly did not re realize this until like a couple of years ago. Didn't notice. Um, and then once I realized it, I was like, oh my God, no wonder I'm, you know, not like connecting more deeply to people. And then obviously this plays into your business too and your voice online, right? If you're like in your head, like worried about what people are thinking, then you can't just like be authentic and like be yourself. Um, so I had to like recognize it first, right? I always say like awareness is the first thing. You have to be aware first and then just kind of like start challenging that and, um, 
you know, for me, it came just with like talking this through with like, uh, I mean, therapists, but also like good friend, like close friends and having a partner who is like open and could like talk about this. And then it's just, honestly, it is just kind of doing, you sort of have to like challenge the behavior, like do this behavior that feels really scary. And then you do it and you're like, oh, okay. And if it's authentic, it ends up just, it feels like super freaking scary to like write this thing or say this thing, but then you do it and the reaction. So like, I'll use an example um, if we're getting like really real here. So uh, probably about a year ago, I had a vibrator company reach out to me about doing a um, Instagram, uh, an Instagram post. And I was like, okay, like my first thought was like, oh my God, I'm a dietitian. Like I can't like vibrator, what? But then I was like, wait a second. And it was around the same time I'd been doing a lot of training that year in like body image and embodiment and all this stuff. And I was like, this relates, like pleasure relates and like the ability to like connect to your body. And there's all sorts of research around this with like orgasms and masturbation and like how women who are, uh, you know, more disconnected from their bodies and more worried about what they look like, like don't orgasm as much. And so there's all this research. And I was like, actually, you know what, this does make a lot of sense. And this is, and the specific company, I was like really impressed with their, um, they're trying to like break the stigma around like women's sexual pleasure and sexual health, which is totally what I try to do with like body image and food and all that. So I was like, okay, this relates. But I was still like so terrified of like, I cannot believe I'm about to like post a vibrator on my Instagram feed. And like the response was insane. Like within a day, it was my most, you know, engagement post ever within a day. I got so many DMs. I got like, there's like just the reactions were so amazing. And that was like, just, it was like, okay, I said my truth. I was like, this is what I believe in. And like people got it, right? Like they got it. So I think that's the thing is you kind of have to like challenge that like voice of fear or that perfectionist voice. And then once you start doing that more often, it just gets like easier and easier. What I'm hearing is kind of like, first you need to get clarity on who you are and what you stand for and kind of like ground yourself. <laughs> and then yeah. you can stand in that grounding and more confidently share your message without it's like you have roots in the ground like you can't be like toppled over by like one person's mean comment (laughs) you know exactly yeah um and I do think that's just take some time and experience and uh, like does it get any easier like you know what I mean like I mean I know (laughs) mean or um combative comments can really throw some people off and it kind of sends them for a loop for the day or maybe multiple days. Does that improve as you consciously try to work on this? Yeah. Well, I love the way that you frame that. And it totally is like roots in a ground. You know, when you have this grounding, I literally asked this exact question of one of my supervisors like a year ago. And she was the one that was like, and I was talking about something business related, but she was like, you need to know like your personal values. And like, once you're, she used the same words you just did. Like once you're grounded in that, um, yes, it might still hurt or you might still have a moment be like, oh, wow. But it doesn't cause as much kind of like turmoil. Um, and you're able to, to get through it, you know, quicker. Um, I think too, it's also knowing like something like this happened to me kind of recently and it's knowing like the people you can turn to who will be like, okay, no, you're fine. And just to like, be like, oh my God, this is what happened. Um, and it definitely gets easier. And that's not to say that it doesn't, you know, hurt when people say things, but you're just kind of able to like, let it roll off a little easier. Yeah. My, um, 
my husband's really into like learning about the ego and stuff like that. So he's always talking about like, yeah, yeah, if you can remove your ego from it and just like kind of more objectively look at what someone's saying to you, maybe not, Mm -hmm. it's not like a dig at you necessarily, even it's just someone maybe doesn't agree with you and that's fine. Like no one's ever going to always agree with you. (laughs) Um, Right. And you can decide if you want to, like to maybe continue that conversation without being so like emotionally wounded and taking it so personally and then like come back very like bitingly, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I think too, like, um, so I work, Fiona Sutherland is one of my supervisors and she has this, like, I was just reading it the other day. She's made an amazing blog post about like discerning troll from teacher and kind of how to figure out of like, okay, is this feedback negative feedback, let's say, or like someone who doesn't agree with you, is this something I can learn from and grow from? Or is this just someone like trying to get a reaction from me? Um, And I think because, yeah, you know, for me, whenever I feel that like defensiveness kick in, that is always a sign of like, oof, I think there might be something I can learn here. Um, So I always consider that defensiveness signal now as like a sign of like, okay, I'm feeling defensive. I'm getting emotionally involved, but like this might be a sign that I can do better and that I've messed up and that, um, and you can kind of tell, uh, you know, Fiona's blog is super helpful because she has sort of like, okay, here's a teacher is going to be someone who is like, you know, maybe not being like over the top friendly, but is being direct and is saying like, Hey, I want to give you feedback and is like inviting you to do better. Um, and that's kind of what we consider like a call in. Um, so like helping you understand how something you might've said or done might be problematic and then how you can do better next time. So it's again, being able to like separate yourself and being like, okay, I'm not a bad person. This is just like, this is the learning opportunity. Um, and And yeah, you know, sometimes those call-ins don't come off as like, quote, nice, and that's okay. Um, But yeah, I think once you're grounded in like yourself and you can see that sign of defensiveness as a chance to like pause and like be a little uncomfortable and see if there's a learning moment there. Um, But yeah, to your point, like people are not always going to agree with you or like you and that's fine. Um, But I do think like providing yourself some space to be like, okay, is this just someone who has like a different opinion? Or is there like, is this someone who's like opinion, you know, I'm like, okay, I can do better. Or this is a learning opportunity. I love that tip about noticing when you get defensive. This I don't know why, but this has been coming up like in my life a lot in the last month or so in other contexts and conversations too. I'm in Christine Diane's like cultural diversity book club right now. And we talked about something similar of, you know, if there's somebody says something really mean or calls you a name or a slur or something like sometimes like, it's just so ridiculous. It's like, you, you just know like, oh, this doesn't bother me. Cause it's like, this is not constructive criticism. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And you already know that that's not you. So it just kind of rolls off, but it's those moments when someone says something where you're like, is that me that you're <laughs> that that's the moment to be like, hmm, maybe I could work on something there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, totally. I mean, I'm thinking back to the the Instagram post I was sharing about of like, so I had like a lot of like amazing positive reaction. I also had like a couple hundred people unfollow me. Um, but the people who I was hearing from were the ones that were like, I'm so happy you're talking about this, but I did get like one or two. I thought I would get more. And this again, speaks to my privilege as like a thin young white person that I did not get more negative feedback. Um, but I got like one or two people who were like, 
you know, I can't like, this is something a dietitian should not be, this was like a dietitian who was commenting by the way, who I do not know, but they said something about like, this is like very unprofessional that you're posting this. And that I was able to just like roll right off. Cause I was like, Nope, like I had thought about this. Like, this is me, you know, this is like what I want to talk about. Um, so that was something that like, I could kind of like let that roll off, but yeah, it is kind of just like discerning. And that's where, uh, you know, therapist or supervisor or someone who, uh, like a mentor can be really helpful. Cause there's certainly been times when I'm like, I don't know, I can't tell. And that's where you can go to someone who knows you. And they're like, either, yes, this is a learning moment or no, like it's not like just, you can, this is, this is their own stuff. Really great advice. Do you have any tips in general about just kind of like protecting your energy when you spend so much time online? And I've, t- I've thought about this a lot becoming more of a more visible and becoming more of a public figure and maybe this is just me because I'm more of an introvert but it does feel like it takes a lot of my energy and <laughs> like it may, you're opening yourself up in a very vulnerable way for feedback from thousands of people potentially so how do you manage that in your life yeah yeah it can be such an energy suck um and it's funny like i've just learned in the last few years I'm way more of an introvert than I thought. (laughs) An introvert in the sense of um, I get my energy from like quiet and alone time and like needing my own space. Um, And I think, again, that's personal growth, like something that's as important to know about yourself. Um, So I would say the two big things for me are like boundaries and self-care. Boundaries around like lots of stuff, but Certainly. And I'll just say boundaries because when my therapist said to me a couple of years ago, like, I think we were talking about a relationship I was in at the time. And she's like, well, have you talked to him about your boundaries? And I was literally like, what's, what are boundaries? I don't even know what that means. Um, so boundaries being kind of like these lines we put up either kind of ourselves or like with other people to protect our time, our energy. Um, so I put a lot of boundaries around social media and around just online work in general. Um, and I think that's important whether or not you have a business, but certainly if you're running your own business, because I mean, as you know, you can just like do this 24 seven, there's not an end of a work day. Um, and now that everything's virtual, that's even more the case. Um, so I try to take at least one to two days away from social media completely every week. For me, that's generally the weekends. Um, I also, this took so much time. But I also am finally getting to a place where I'm, because I used to like numb with social media. I'd be like, oh, I just need like a few minutes. Like I just need a break. And then I'd open up Instagram and then I'd feel like crap, like 15, 20 minutes later when I've gone down this rabbit hole. And so I've finally gotten to a point where I still will do it sometimes, but most of the time I'm like, nope, that is not going to make me feel better right now. Um, So I'm like aware of my tendency to like numb with social media and not do it. So I try to really only be on it for like certain times of the day. Um, and then taking like a couple days of literally just not on it at all. Um, so I think having those boundaries around your time and then having self-care. So, you know, self-care again, being important for everything, but certainly when you are, like you said, like opening yourself up to, yeah, you're inviting people in to when you are being vulnerable and open. Um, so for me, that is like, like I mentioned, therapy, supervision, like friends who I know I can call and be like, oh my God, I can't believe I did this. And they can like talk me off the ledge. Um, and just like doing things for myself, uh, you know, setting those boundaries and then like doing things for myself that are like offline related. 
really good reminders, especially in, like you said, the environment that we're in right now where everything is online. You're so right. It's even I've been noticing that I'm probably online more now than I have been ever. <laughs> so yep. um, I've also seen some people, if they, for example, run a Facebook group where they get a lot of DMs, they'll even hire assistants to kind of manage that for them. So A, it's not taking up as much of their time, but also B, they're only focusing on the queries or the messages or whatever that's actually requiring their response. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. totally. I do that. I have a Facebook group, a consumer-based Facebook group, and I do have a dietitian who helps me moderate. Um, Because yeah, I went through a period of like big growth and I was like, okay, I cannot stay on top of all of this stuff. And yes, uh, whether it's like a virtual assistant or someone who can help with that, definitely agree. So I know we talked about that one example um, of posting about the vibrator. Do you have any other examples of how kind of finding and embracing your voice improved or changed your career? (sighs) Yeah. I mean, well, I think the, the overall kind of thing is You know, when I, and this was kind of a combination of getting super clear on who I wanted to talk to and like what I wanted to to help and support them with and also getting more confident in my own voice. I mean, I just found like that's when my social media engagement and like following went way up, like website views went up, like I started getting way more DMs. I just saw, and this again can be a sign, I don't know if I mentioned this earlier, but like this can be a sign that you are like standing in your voice and like being authentic when you're getting this kind of engagement from the people that you want to get it from. That's like a great sign that it's landing the way that you, you want it to. Um, so yeah, I mean, certainly it's helped in that way. And I think really it just helped me like connect so much more with people. Um, and that for me, like I said, a couple of years ago when I realized that I was really missing out on a lot of connection because of perfectionist and being in my head and all this stuff. Um, and it's like the posts where I am the most vulnerable and the most off the cuff that I get the most feedback on. Um, so while certainly I understand how like planned content can be really helpful for a social media strategy, for me, I've just learned like, well, I might occasionally do that. Like it's the stuff where I'm like, oh, like I'm going to write about this that ends up getting uh, the most feedback. Um, So for example, like last night was like the perfect example. Um, I ended up, and this is again, like, I can't believe we're talking about all this stuff on your podcast, but this is like where my voice has gone in the past couple of years. But like my boyfriend had taken a photo of me and we were like outside eating and he was like, oh, I want to post this, but like, you don't have a bra on. You can like kind of see through your shirt. Like, do you care? And you can just see like the outline through my shirt. And I was like, no, like, I don't care if you don't care. And then I was like, this would actually be like a really great thing of just around the idea of, you know, again, talking about like how we've been socialized and like the stuff that's been put on us. And so like the fact that like a women's nipples on Instagram, like you can't show or like women won't leave the house without a bra because of that. But like men will just like that's not a big deal. And like shaving your legs, like I just had this conversation with my boyfriend a few days before about like shaving legs. And so like, I put this in a caption, I like posted it in like five minutes and like, holy crap, like I got so many responses and like so many women commenting and men and like so many DMs. And so like, that's the stuff where this was just like off the cuff. Um, And again, like I've done work around you know, trying to figure out when you talk about your voice. Cause for me, 
when my, my practice started to shift and I was getting more into like weight inclusive practice and intuitive eating was like really big for me for a long time. And then it was about a year ago that I was like, okay, like, yes, I still believe in like food freedom and like healing your relationship with food. But like the stuff that was getting me excited in client sessions was so much more than that. But I was like, okay, how do I translate this to like an online audience who's following me as a dietitian? And so over the last year, I've been really trying to, to follow it. So someone might be like, okay, why is a dietitian posting about like nipples and photos and like shaved legs? And it's again, going back to so much of our stuff with food and like our issues, especially women that we have with food in our bodies go back to like what our culture has put on us and like how we've been socialized. Um, and just kind of like when you start to, what I find with my clients is like when you start to question um like everything basically, but generally it will start with food of like, okay, why do I believe this thing about food? Or like, why do I believe that like, this is bad and this is good or whatever it is. Um, it then just gets like bigger and bigger, like over time. Um, and I can't remember if I told you, but I actually just finished writing a book. <laughs> um, and that, that is like the whole thing with my book is how this healing a relationship with food and like leads to so much personal growth, like outside of just, you know, being able to like be comfortable around food and not be thinking about food all the time. Like it's so much bigger. And so I feel like just um, me kind of finding my voice in that way has helped me. Like, I feel like so much more excited to post about something that I did last night versus like, you know, oh, eat the burger because you're allowed to have the burger. Like, yes, you are. But like, that was just, I was just like, oh, I like, no, going back to what I said at the beginning. I was just like, ugh, like, I don't want to do that. You know, that's a sign. Um, and so I just feel like I've now kind of like found my people and like am growing this community. Um, and that's been so great. That was a great story and so many great examples. But I like how you're talking about kind of listening to what feels good and also what gets responses from your audience. And I think the overarching theme was kind of like the things that were really happening in your life, you know, that in real time you were sharing them and people were resonating because it's probably happening in their life too, you know, versus like you said, everything being so buttoned up and pre-planned as like, oh, this is what I'm talking about on this day. Like that, yeah, that, that has its place, but that shouldn't be everything. Like you need that connection, like the realness too, you know, like if you're, if you are your business, at least to wrap it up, what would you say are your like top three recommendations for dietitians right now who want to start becoming more vocal online? Well, I would say first, um, letting go of the perfectionism and the people pleasing and the shame. Um, and if you're having some shame or if you, you know, we all have like shame stories and stories we tell ourselves about ourselves starting to like do some personal work on that. And again, it like feels unrelated, but it really is not at all. Um, so that's the first one, letting go of being aware. If you have these perfectionist tendencies, being aware of how they're harming you and then starting to like challenge those and try to let go of them. Um, spending some time really brainstorming and like getting thoughts out about your voice and about what you want people to take from it. Um, I'm huge on taking action and like just getting started and all of that. But I also think that there is, we need to spend time like thinking about how we are coming across online and how we want to come across. So I think setting aside some time uh, to do some more thoughtful, you know, brainstorming and planning and thinking about that. 
Um, and then the third thing is what we talked about, about kind of having that mindfulness and being able to, when you like feel uncomfortable or feel defensive, being able to be like, oh, like that's a red flag. Let me pause. Like, let me consider, like, is there an opportunity to learn? Um, and then I guess number four, I'll throw in a fourth one is, you know, having those people that you can get that feedback from of like, okay, am I getting defensive? Like, is there a place to learn or is this, you know, just someone with a different opinion than mine? And I, I've been seeing going around on like social media, that quote, that's like normalize learning new information and changing your opinion. Like, I, I hope that people understand, like, no one's going to get it all mm -hmm. right every time. It's not like if there's going to be a moment where an uncomfortable situation happens online, it's like when. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I think all these tips are so helpful for somebody who maybe, you know, see someone like yourself who seems so confident and comfortable online and they're like, oh, I wish I could be like that, you know, and to hear how you became like that and that it wasn't necessarily like how you were out the gate. <laughs> That's inspirational. Uh, so where can people go if they want to connect with you further? Um, well, the two best places are my website, which is alyssarumsey.com. And I do have a specific page for dietitians there as well um, with different free downloads and resources there. Um, and then Instagram is definitely the social media platform, as you've, as you've heard me say today, which is Alyssa Rumsey RD. Awesome. And I will put the links to all of your, your website, your social media handles and all that in the show notes. And also that article that you mentioned, I think people might be interested in that. So I will Either you can send it to me or I'll go find it. I'm sure I can find it. Uh, and if anyone listening wants to find the link to that, just go to theunconventionalrd.com slash episode 040. And you can find all the links there at the top. So thank you again for being here. Yeah, thank you. That was, was really great. Awesome. Yay, what a great episode, right? I hope it inspired you to get clear on your values and move forward with that framework in mind when developing your brand voice. If you haven't yet subscribed to this podcast, hit that subscribe or follow button in iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you're listening right now. That will ensure that you get all the latest episodes right when they come out. And again, if you want to read the transcript or find links to anything we talked about, head to my website, theunconventionalrd.com, click on the podcast tab, and then go to episode 40. Other than that, I will see you next week.